Good morning again, dear friends. It's so good to see you this morning. It's been a wonderful day of worship to our God. I really appreciate the wonderful singing led, to, led for us by Brother Ryan and the wonderful Lord's Supper talk for Brother Austin and all of our, our brothers who've led us in our worship to God. It's so good to be together on the first day of the week. I'm especially looking forward right now to our time in studying the Word of God together as we worship our God. And I'm going to invite you to please go back with me to where our scripture reading came from this morning in 1 Kings chapter 3. And I want to highlight one particular verse in that section of scripture. This verse, I believe, will set up everything we're going to talk about this morning in our study. And in 1 Kings chapter 3 and in verse number 5, in verse 5, the Bible says, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And a dream at night and said, God, God said, ask what you wish me to give to you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine finding yourself in this situation? Can you imagine being made this offer? Can you imagine being invited not by some wealthy or powerful person on this earth or by some imaginary genie in a bottle or even by your parents or your grandparents, young people, but by God himself to ask him for anything that you want and he'll give it to you. He will grant it. He would grant, he will grant your request. What would you ask God for? If you found yourself in that kind of situation, I mean, would you ask God for great wealth? Would you ask God for a lot of money? Would you ask God for 50 or 60 billion dollars? Would you ask for power or fame or maybe for world peace and the elimination of wars and terrorism? Would you ask God for your favorite political party to win every election from here on out? Or maybe for a perfect ACT or SAT score or maybe to become the best athlete in your school. Notice how when given the opportunity to ask God for anything he desired, the Bible says Solomon, he asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom. From God, why in the world would he ask for that? Why in the world would he, would he use this opportunity to ask God for wisdom? Well, thankfully, we don't have to guess about that. We don't have to wander or ponder very long about that because the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us why Solomon used this occasion to ask God for wisdom. The reason why Solomon used this opportunity to ask God for wisdom was because he humbly realized that God was the one who had put him on the throne and there was a lot he did not know. There were a lot of paths that he had not traveled. There were a lot of challenges and difficulties attached with being the king and he needed God's help. He needed God's wisdom. He needed God's 
understanding in order to lead God's people in the right way as the king, as the king of Israel. Solomon understood the value of wisdom. The question is, do you? Do you right now in your life, right now in your life, do you value wisdom? Do you want wisdom? Do you understand just how important pursuing wisdom is in your life? If you don't mind this morning in this study from God's word. I want to talk with you about that. I want to talk with you about wisdom. I want to talk with you about the value of wisdom and the need to pursue wisdom. And let me be clear about the kind of wisdom I'm talking about this morning. My dear friends, when I when I use the word wisdom this morning. But when I refer to wisdom this morning, I'm not referring using this word to refer to wisdom of the world. I'm not using this word wisdom to refer to wisdom that comes from the mind of men or wisdom that comes from our culture or our society as Christians, as the people of God. We shouldn't want anything to do with that kind of wisdom. We don't want anything to do with the wisdom of the world. We don't want anything to do with the wisdom of culture or from our society. The Bible calls that kind of wisdom foolishness and even demonic. No, when I use this word wisdom this morning, listen carefully. I'm talking about wisdom that comes from the right source. I'm talking about the wisdom from above, the wisdom from God, the kind of insight and understanding and discernment that comes from the one who created everything and who knows everything. Do you want that kind of wisdom? Do you want the wisdom that comes from God? Do you want the wisdom that comes from the very mind of God? If you are struggling with desiring and seeing the value in that kind of wisdom, let me give you a few reasons as to why you need to change your mind. Why should we? Why should we be pursuing the wisdom that comes from God? Well, one reason why we need to pursue that wisdom is because the Bible tells us to. The, the, the Bible instructs us to. The Bible tells us that one of the top priorities of our lives needs to be pursuing wisdom. When you go in your Bible to a great book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. Will you please go to Proverbs chapter 4? Proverbs chapter 4. The book of Proverbs is full of a bunch of wise sayings. It was written by the man we read about in 1 Kings chapter 3. And in Proverbs chapter 4, in Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says this in Proverbs 4 and verse 5, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Do not forsake wisdom and she will guard you, love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all of your acquiring, get understanding. Notice how one of the main things, one of the main things we need to be doing in our lives every single day is we need to be pursuing wisdom. We need to be acquiring wisdom and trying to obtain wisdom. You see, while there are many things in life that you can have too much of, wisdom is not one of those things. 
Wisdom is not something where you need to have a limit. Wisdom is not like ice cream Oreo cookies. It's not like Snickers and M&Ms. It's not like TV or time on social media or, or like using your credit card or asking for time off from work. You see, while we got to have limitations on those kinds of things, God says that we don't need any kind of limitations when it comes to wisdom. God says that we can't ever have an excess of wisdom. We can't ever reach a point in our lives where we are no longer pursuing wisdom. We need to be pursuing wisdom because the Bible tells us to. And one of the reasons why the Bible tells us to is because wisdom will help us make good decisions. It'll help us make good decisions. Let me ask you something. Do you make decisions? Do, do you make important decisions in your life? I do every single day. Every single day. Every single day I make all kinds of important and impactful decisions. Every day I'm making decisions that not only have the potential of impacting me, but they also have the potential of impacting the people that, that I love and I need God's help. I, I, I need God's help. God's wisdom. I want you to go back to 1 Kings chapter 3 again, please. You know, it's interesting how in 1 Kings 3, that text we read from this morning, it's interesting how after Solomon asked God for wisdom, and after God gave him that wisdom in abundance towards the end of the chapter, we see how that impacted Solomon's decisions as the king of Israel. For example, in 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning with verse number 16, the Bible says there that there were two harlots. There were two harlots who lived in the land of Israel. They lived in the land of Israel and they actually lived together. They also had children around the same time. They had children only three days apart, but one of the babies died. One of the babies tragically lost its life and what happened was, was the mother actually rolled over on the baby while she was asleep and accidentally, accidentally killed her baby. She killed her baby while she was sleeping. And in the night, she goes and she takes the other woman's baby. She switches the babies. She gives the other woman her dead baby, and she takes the living baby, and the next morning when the woman realized what had happened, she goes to Solomon. When she realizes that this woman has stolen her baby from her, she goes to Solomon, and she asks Solomon for justice. She asks Solomon to help her get her baby back, and Solomon's got to figure out what to do. I mean, this is before you had DNA tests. He's got to figure out what to do. He's got to figure out who's telling the truth. He's got to figure out which woman was the true mother of that living baby. And so by using wisdom, Solomon was able to make the right decision. By using wisdom, Solomon tells the women, give me that living baby. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut it in half. I'm going to slice that baby right down the middle and you can have one half of the baby and you can have the other half of the baby. And the woman who has stolen the baby, she said, that sounds like a good idea to me. Shows you she was in competition, wasn't she? That sounds like a good idea. That sounds fair. 
But the real mother said, oh, please don't do that. She said, don't, don't, don't kill the baby. I'd rather the other woman have the baby than you kill the baby. Solomon then knew who the real mother was. He knew that that was the real mama. Only a real mama would say something like that. Solomon used wisdom when helping this woman get her child back. But imagine this. Imagine Solomon trying to make this decision without wisdom. Imagine Solomon trying to make a huge decision like this without what he asked God for at the beginning of the chapter. I mean, if Solomon did this without wisdom, do you think this story would have ended the same way? Do you think we would have had the same kind of outcome? Do you think that Solomon would have been able to do what was right in this moment? Or, like so many people do in our time today when making decisions, could Solomon have fallen into the trap of making an emotional decision? Or a decision that was too quick or too hasty? Or a decision that was the most popular decision, but it wasn't actually the right decision? Solomon needed wisdom when making decisions as the king. And you know who else needs help? Wisdom when it comes to making decisions? We do. You do. I do. I need God's wisdom when it comes to making decisions in my life. I need God's wisdom as I make decisions as a husband and as a father and as a preacher and as a brother in Christ, and as I manage my money and my time, and as I try to make decisions on the kind of stuff I'm going to stream and watch on television, and when it comes to the kind of friends that I pick, and when it comes to how I choose to respond in situations when people just make me mad, I need God's help when it comes to making good decisions. I need his wisdom for that. In fact, let's take that a step further by saying that in addition to needing God's wisdom in order to make good decisions, I need God's wisdom to properly discern. I need good discernment. Isn't that what Solomon said back in 1 Kings 3? Look at verse 9 again. In verse 9, when praying to God, God says, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. He says, I want wisdom and here's why. Verse 9, so give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people to discern. Notice, to discern between good and evil for who's able to judge this great people of yours. You see the word discern there? Solomon says, I, Solomon says, I need wisdom so I can discern. The idea of discern there, the idea of discernment means judgment. It means judgment. It means that the ability to have good judgment is when a person can see the consequences of something ahead of time. You see, when people have good discernment, when people have wisdom, when people have good judgment, before making decisions, they ask themselves questions. They're not hasty, but they ask questions. They ask questions in advance. Questions like, is this really a good time to bring up this issue right now in this setting? Should I really make a big deal over this issue? Should I really be willing to die on the battlefield for this issue? Should I really fight this battle? Should I really try to make this person mad? Should I really be dogmatic about this? 
Should I maybe wait and hear both sides of the story? You see, one of the reasons why so many families and so many local churches are torn apart is because they are full of people who are not very wise. They're full of people who don't have good discernment. They're full of people who major in the minor things and they're chiefly concerned with getting their way about every single issue they bring up and they fail to consider the consequences of their decisions in advance. They don't have good discernment. And so I need God's wisdom so I can make good decisions. And so I can have good discernment. And let's just add to that, I need God's wisdom so I can properly be able to acknowledge God. I need to be able to acknowledge the Lord. Go back to Proverbs, please. Look at Proverbs chapter 1 in verse number 7. In Proverbs chapter 1, we're going back to the book of wise saints, Proverbs chapter 1. Solomon actually mentions the sermon in verse number 2 of chapter 1. But then in verse number 7, he says this, Proverbs 1 and verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Question, do you want to know God? Do you really want to know who God is? You really want to know what God is all about? Solomon says that if you really want to know who God is and what he's all about, that begins with wisdom. That begins with the fear of the Lord. That language, fear of the Lord, that you see there in that verse, that is language that's actually found all throughout the Proverbs. It's found over and it's over and over again. And in the Proverbs, that language does not refer to trembling and being afraid and being terrified of God. While we do need to be afraid and terrified of God in the context of Proverbs, though, this language is often used to refer to reverence. Reverence for God, honor towards God, piety towards God. Solomon says that wisdom will help you properly honor, respect, and fear God. And the reason why that is, is because fearing God involves humility. It involves a submissive spirit. It involves acknowledging just how much we don't know. Even though we live in a time where there's a how-to YouTube video for any and almost everything. Even though we have access to worldwide information on our smartphones and on our tablets. Even though as human beings we've been able to figure out how to send men to the moon. And how to extend people's lives through medicine and science. and, And we've even been able to figure out how to make the world a lot smaller through social media. Even though we've been able to figure all that stuff out. Wisdom helps us understand that we're still not God. We still don't know as much as as God. We're still not self-sufficient. We're still not as wise as God. We're still not capable of directing our own steps. You see, one of the big problems that so many people have today is they don't understand that. They don't realize that. They don't want to realize that. They don't want to acknowledge and revere God and honor God and admit that God knows what is best. God knows what's best for our lives, not us. You see, I need to pursue wisdom because it'll help me make good decisions. And it'll help me have good discernment. And it'll help me be able to properly acknowledge God and his wisdom in my life. And then let me just add to this by saying 
that wisdom also will help me avoid being deceived by the world. Being deceived by the world. I mean, think about this. And we talked a little, a little bit about this this morning in our Bible class. I mean, think about some of the messages that our world is preaching to us today. Think about some of the messages that the world, our society, our culture is constantly preaching to our kids and to our, our grandkids. Think about how the world is preaching to all of us things like marriage is not a big deal. Marriage is not sacred. Marriage is not important. Marriage is not necessary. In fact, you could just live together without being married. That's, that's good enough. Why would you want to get married? Drinking alcohol? That's not a big deal. It's not really dangerous. In fact, you have to have alcohol if you're going to have fun. Work? Work is no good. Why would you want to work? That's not something you should be eager to do. Let the government take care of you. Money? Money's the most important thing in life. Pursuing money, trying to get as much money as you can, as you can that's what makes you important. That's what makes you valuable. That's what's going to make you happy. That's the kind of stuff our world is preaching to us all the time. But the wisdom of God tells us the truth. The wisdom of God exposes the foolishness of the world. The wisdom of God tells us that marriage is good and it's holy and it's honorable. And he who finds a, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Proverbs 18, 22. The wisdom of God tells us that drinking alcohol is not wise. It's not something that's safe and that we should be pursuing. In fact, it can bring all kinds of problems and dangers in our lives. Proverbs chapter 23. The wisdom of God tells us that being lazy, that's not honorable. That's not noble. That's something that leads to poverty and all kinds of problems being dependent on other people and the love of money. That's not going to really make you happy. That's not going to satisfy you in your life because money is something that is here today. And it's gone tomorrow. That's what that's what the wisdom of God tells us. The wisdom of God exposes the foolishness of the world. It is counterculture. It is counter world. It helps us avoid all the pitfalls that are found in this world. It helps us avoid being deceived by the devil and his workers. And so I'm going to ask you again, do you want this? Do you want wisdom? Do you want wisdom that comes from the very mind of God? If you want that kind of wisdom, I want to transition now. And I want to tell you how to get it. I want to tell you how to get that wisdom. I want to tell you how to get the wisdom that comes from the one who knows everything about everything. If you want the wisdom that comes from the mind of God, then the first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get your mind in God's word. You're going to have to get your mind in the Bible. You're going to have to get your mind in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 
You're going to have to get your mind in the Old Testament books of history. You're going to have to get your mind in the writings of the prophets. You're going to have to get your mind in the Gospels and in the book of Acts and in the New Testament epistles. You're going to have to get your mind in the wisdom literature and the Proverbs and in the Psalms and in the book of Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. In fact, speaking of the Psalms, go with me in your Bible to Psalm 119, please. Will you make your way to what is the longest chapter in the Bible, but it's a beautiful chapter. It's a chapter that's exclusively devoted to talking about the value of God's word. And in Psalm 119, please look at verse number nine. This is something I, I want our young people to really look at carefully here. In Psalm 119 and in verse number nine, the Bible says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Drop down to verse 24, please. In verse 24, the writer says, your testimonies also are my delight. They are my what? Counselors. They counsel me. They give me wisdom. Drop down to verse 97, please. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers. I have more insight than all the educated people. For your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the age. Notice, young people, how you can be wiser even than people who are way older than you because of the word of God. I understand more than the aged because I've observed your precepts. I've restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances for you yourself have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth for from your precepts, I get understanding. I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Notice what the psalmist is saying there. Notice what he's saying about the word of God, the scriptures, the Bible. He says the Bible, that book you have in front of you right now. That's a source of wisdom. That is a source of wisdom from God. That is a source of wisdom from God because it comes from God. It comes from the mind of the one who is eternal. It comes from the one who has perfect wisdom. This is why doing daily Bible reading is so important. This is why reading Luke and Acts last year was so important. This is why we need to come to Bible classes and listen carefully to the preaching and teaching of God's word. This is why we need to always carve out time to read and study the Bible with our kids. If we want our kids to be wise, and if we want to be wise, then we got to get our minds in the book of wisdom. We got to get our minds in the book that contains God's wisdom. This is the only book on the planet that comes from the mind of God. And if we want to get a piece of that, then we got to read it and we got to study it and we got to meditate on it. We pursue wisdom through the Bible. But not only do we pursue wisdom through the Bible, secondly, we also pursue wisdom through prayer. 
We pursue it through prayer. What do you pray about? What do you pray about every single day? What did you pray about this morning? Look in your Bible, please, at James. I'm going to James, the book of James, chapter 1. James chapter 1, I'm looking at verse number 5. James says this, James 1 and verse 5, but if any of you lacks wisdom, you know who that is? That's me. That's me. So James is talking to me right now. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Notice how like Solomon did back in 1 Kings 3? We also need to be doing that. We also need to be asking God for wisdom. We need to be asking God for wisdom through prayer. When we pray to God and ask him for wisdom, we don't have to guess how God's going to respond to that prayer. We don't have to wonder if God's going to give us what we ask for. The Bible says God will give it to us. The Bible promises that God will give us wisdom in some way when we ask for it through prayer. God doesn't make that promise when it comes to many other prayer requests. Let me tell you something. When you pray to God and you ask him to heal you, to help you get better from a sickness, or to heal somebody you love, to help somebody you love get better from a sickness, God doesn't promise he's going to give you that. He does not promise that. He'll listen to the prayer, but he doesn't promise he's going to grant it. He doesn't promise he's going to give you that promotion on your job. He doesn't promise he's going to help you find a spouse. He doesn't promise that he's going to make it so you can have kids. He doesn't promise that he's going to help your, all of your problems get better. God doesn't make those kind of promises when it comes to prayer, but he does when it comes to wisdom. All he does when it comes to wisdom, God says that if you pray to ask for wisdom, you can take it to the bank. It's coming. He's going to give it to you generously and freely. And so God, God says you pursue wisdom through his word and through prayer. And then how about this? How about by seeking counsel? Seeking counsel from other wise people. I'm going back to Proverbs again. I'm going to put several passages together for you. And I'm going to start with Proverbs chapter 11. I'm going over to Proverbs 11, and I'm looking at verse number 14. And Proverbs 11 and verse 14, the Bible says, Where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in, abund but in abundance of counselors, there's victory. An abundance of counselors. Look now at Proverbs chapter 13, please. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. One more, Proverbs 15, 31. Proverbs 15, 31 says, he whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Notice how one of the great sources of wisdom God has given us in our lives are other wise people. Other wise people. Other people who hopefully love God and they fear God and they respect God and they have a lot of experience in their lives. The Bible says that if I spend time with the right people, if I spend time with people who have wisdom and good judgment and understanding and discernment. And if I ask those people questions and if I'm humble enough to receive their counsel, then guess what? That's going to help me. That's going to help me get some wisdom. That's going to help me be wise. You know, I can remember being trained. To preach the gospel in southeast Texas, 
when I was 23, 24 years old, and one of my mentors was much older than me, and he would always try to give me wisdom. He would always try to give me advice and help me make wise decisions as a young man. And I told him recently that, that I, I, I thank you for that. I thank you for sharing some of your wisdom with me. In fact, I told him that it seems to me that you're right about the things you say about 90% of the time. And he said to me, well, keep on living. You'll see that I'm also right about the other 10%. But thank God for that. Thank God for older people who are able and willing to share wisdom with younger people. Thank God for the elders in this church. Thank God for godly parents and godly grandparents. Thank God for seasoned disciples who have a lot of Bible knowledge and a lot of experience and good judgment and a lot of gray hair. Thank God for those people. We can get wisdom by seeking counsel. But let me add to this. Also, you can get wisdom by being observant. By being observant. I'm going back to Proverbs again. Look at chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Look at verse number 6, please. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 6, the Bible says, Proverbs 6, 6, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provisions in the harvest. Notice how God says, look at the ant. Look at the ant. You know, the ant is wise, little but very wise. You know how the ant got wise? You know how he got wise? He didn't get wise by going to school. He didn't get wise by listening to Dr. Phil or Oprah. He didn't get wise by reading a bunch of books. You know how the ant got wise? He got wise because God made him wise. God made the ant wise. And the Bible says we can learn by looking at the ant. We can learn lessons about preparation and the value of hard work and diligence. You can learn by observing the ant, one of the creatures God has made. And then what about funerals? Remember what the Bible said in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 2? I've been to a lot of funerals in my life, and the Bible says that whenever you go to a funeral, if you're observant, you can learn some things. You can learn some things at a funeral. You can be reminded of how life is fragile, it is fleeting and uncertain, and death is an unavoidable reality, and we need to be preparing for our place in the casket. And then what about what Jesus said in Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount? Remember what Jesus said? In Matthew 6, verses 25 through 30, Jesus said there that one of the keys to conquering worry and anxiety is to look at nature. Observe nature. Observe the birds and the flowers and the grass and understand that if God will take care of those things, then he will certainly take care of you. He will take care of you today. The Bible says that we can get wisdom by just looking around, looking at the things God has made. And let's close with this, the ultimate source of wisdom. How about Jesus? Jesus. I'm going to one more place in my Bible. I'm going to Matthew 7 as Jesus closes the great Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said this, Matthew 7, 24. 
Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to what? A wise man. A wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. You know, we often hear people say that Solomon was the wisest man to ever walk on the earth. You ever heard someone say that before? You ever heard someone say that Solomon was the wisest man to have ever lived? That's not really true. That's not really true. While Solomon had a lot of wisdom, he had great wisdom from God. His wisdom was nothing compared to, it was nothing compared to Jesus. Solomon's wisdom didn't compare to Jesus' wisdom because Jesus, unlike Solomon, is God. He has all of the attributes of deity. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He is the source. From where all godly wisdom flows, he has perfect and complete wisdom. And when we listen to him and follow him and walk in his footsteps, the Bible says we'll be wise as well. We'll have a lot of wisdom. We'll make good decisions. We'll have good judgment. We'll have good discernment. Most importantly, we will please God. We'll please God. And so I'm going to ask you one more time. Do you want this? You want wisdom from the Lord? Solomon wanted it. He wanted it bad. When given the opportunity to ask God for anything, he asked God for wisdom. And God was pleased with that request. And he gave it to him in abundance Wisdom blessed Solomon tremendously in his life, and it'll also bless us. It'll bless me and it'll bless you. In fact, for those of us who are Christians, we've already done the wisest thing we could ever do in our lives when we chose to follow Jesus. If you're a Christian this morning, you've already exercised great wisdom in your life because you're following the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But maybe there's somebody here and you've not yet made that decision. Maybe you're still living the life of a fool. You have not made the wise decision to believe in Jesus and repent of your sins and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Or maybe you are a Christian and you're not living a faithful Christian life. You're living the life of a fool as well. It's time for you to wise up. It's time for you to repent. Ask God to forgive you and he will forgive you. Walk in the wisdom of Jesus. If there's anyone here this morning who needs to come to the one who's the source of all wisdom, come to the front right now. Let's